The Marshall Mathers LP dropped 20 years ago on May 23rd, 2000. This is Eminem's second studio album following the Slim Shady LP, which got a lot of attention due to its graphic nature and intense content that that had not really been seen on a mainstream level at that point. The other big reason that it got a lot of attention was due to the Dr. Dre cosign, which had not been seen for a while, really. Welcome to the Bar for Bar podcast, and this week we are talking about the Marshall Mathers LP today. Originally, this episode was going to be about the stuff that Lana Del Rey said on Instagram and stuff. But the internet has a pretty short attention span, and the next day they turned on Doja Cat. But now everyone loves Doja Cat again, so I'm... Here we are. (laughs) So, with the Marshall Mathers LP, Eminem pretty much returned to where he was with the Slim Shady LP, but turned everything up a bit. I feel like this, as well as the Slim Shady LP, are two of his best albums. I don't know that anyone else would really argue that. (laughs) Um, But it's also his most impactful albums, because I feel like this is where a lot of rappers in the late 2000s and early 2010s really got a lot of influence from. And actually Eminem kind of touches on that on this album, which is kind of weird because this is like in 2000, before... It was super like notable that people were copying him or influenced by him. Now, before we get into the album, kind of like track by track and all that, and like its impact, I'm going to go over some of the controversy that it faced because Eminem's <laughs> always controversial. So, the biggest thing that caused people to react to this album were its lyrics. Pretty much all of them, because everyone takes them at a surface level. So this was dropped around the time that people were actively advocating against rap again. Um, I know they did this in the early to mid-90s. But there's a little bit of a break, and then it came back, which really could be because Eminem's, just Eminem, (laughs) what he says is a bit much for a lot of people. But the reason everyone was against rap was, well, more specifically gangster rap, was because of what it was promoting. What it was promoting according to everyone against it, was violence and drug use. And this actually continued for a while. Like, it, it calmed down, but like there was a lot of people just kind of in the background just saying a bunch of bullshit. Um, if you're from the Bay and you listen to Alice on whatever radio station it was, um, there was an ad that was like... Um, something about... Like, we're like a candy, but we throw out all the rappers. And I'm just like, come on now. Chill. (laughs) 
But the biggest reason I feel like people were like against the promotion of it was because they were just looking at it as at surface level. Like they weren't really looking into what they were saying. And those are probably all the people that are like, oh, I don't want to go to English class because I don't want to analyze all these books. I'm just going to, I'm just going to cry and complain about understanding what this man is saying. Like, come on now. Like, rap has a lot of metaphors and a lot of poetry, essentially. So uh, that's another argument I'm not going to go into right now because that's just going to make me upset. (laughs) Other than the surface level content, though, Eminem is the type of person that just does not hesitate to call people out by their names and calling them out in the sense that they'll he'll poke fun at them or just, you know, call them out for some stupid shit they did. On this album, he calls out, for example, Christina Aguilera, Will Smith, Britney Spears, NSYNC. He also has this weird obsession with Christopher Reeves for some reason. Um, but most of the people that he called out just kind of ignored it and disregarded it because they understood that Eminem was just messing around. Like, Eminem's just a silly dude. Like, he just does this. Um, but then there's a few other people that acknowledged it and they're like, oh, I can't believe he's saying all these things. How dare he? It's whatever. (laughs) They actually did a really good job of, or like, I feel like they took it better than really... Well, the rest of the public, but also people today would have. Because you have people who just say things in jest all the time online. And then someone gets super upset, not realizing that they're joking. <laughs> like, it's, it's a whole thing. But yeah, I feel like they, they actually handled it better than most <laughs> people would be, would be doing now, nowadays. Uh, but with all that minor <laughs> controversy stuff out of the way, let's discuss the actual album. It set records for a solo release for um, like the first week sales. It sold 1.78 million in the first week, which no one's touching these days. Like the only people that get close would be Drake. Um. And maybe Kendrick, maybe J. Cole, but no one's getting anywhere near those sorts of numbers these days. And it went on to sell 11, 11 million, so it's certified di- diamond. And that's just in the U.S. I mean, it sold millions everywhere, worldwide. Um, this album itself was produced mostly by Dre, Melman, FBT, and Eminem himself. And I think I've said on a prior podcast at some point, I'm not the biggest fan of Eminem's production, but like at least nowadays. But on here, it, it does a pretty good job of fitting in. Although the public's general consensus of the album is that it's just aggressive and excessively violent 
I feel like many of the tracks he really went into, like, really went deep into himself and, like, shared his opinions about what's going on around him. Um, so aside from the intro track, Public Service Announcement, where he's basically just saying he doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> the next track, which I count as the real intro, uh, Kill You. I feel like that's a really good tone for the album. The first line says, they said I can't rap about being broke no more. They didn't say I can't rap about coke no more. That line itself is just so aggressive and it, I feel like it really sets the tone for everything else he's going to say. Because right away there, he's saying, all these people already say what I can and cannot do. So I'm going to do this other thing. Because fuck y'all. <laughs> the rest of the track is really... The rest of the track is really just him explaining how and why he'll kill different women. But I feel like he uses the track also to acknowledge the criticisms <laughs> that he's facing and faced from the uh, Slim Shady LP as well as whatever singles and just random stuff that he said at the time. Like on the line here where he says, Oh, now he's raping his own mother, abusing a horse, snorting coke, and we gave him the Rolling Stone cover? This <laughs> this line is so funny because obviously he's super popular, so you have to put him on the Rolling Stones cover because that's going to sell magazines. But then you have so many people that are just like, Oh my god, I can't believe you put him up here. Little Johnny's going to see this and, and he's going to think it's okay to kill people. It's just funny. Um, obviously, like, this line is really just, like, everyone is focusing in on these weird-ass, like, hyper-violent lines, but completely ignoring everything else he says. But, I mean, that's really just because it's so front-and-center, too, I guess. On the next track, Stan, he acknowledges that he's got some crazy fans, that take what he's saying just a little too far sometimes. Um, this track, it, or the name of the track itself, ended up being a like used as like a definition in the dictionary. Like Stan's a real word. Like it's not just an Arbor dictionary. Um, Stan, from as far as the dictionary definition is concerned, is an overzealous or obsessive fan of a particular celebrity. And, oh my god, I'm so sorry. And this track does a really good job of going through that. Because it follows a man named Stan through, I believe, like four or five verses. Um, three verses. Where, you know, he's just writing Eminem. It starts out normal. He's like, oh, hey, you said I could write you. Um, I don't know if you got my last letter, but... I'm just writing to make sure, because, you know, I might have just scribbled the address wrong. Or maybe my handwriting's trash. Um, and then, like, he mentions that he's uh, expecting a baby girl, and he's going to name him Bonnie after the 
track, uh, Bonnie and Clyde. And, you know, that's fine. The next verse, he kind of talks about how, hey, still didn't hear back from you. And, I mean, I saw you at a show, but you were, I guess, too busy, and maybe you didn't want to talk to me. I mean, my brother Matthew was there, and he... He was just, he's a really big fan too. You, you could have at least sign something for him. And then we get to the third verse. Where everything just goes straight to 100. <laughs> In this verse, uh, Stan is basically... Like, not writing a letter. But it's, it's just... He's like recording it on a, on a tape. And he's basically driving off a cliff with his pregnant wife in the trunk and he's like oh I'm just like you I'm just like you and then they drive off by the end of the track Eminem comes in finally saying oh I'm sorry I didn't get to you and then he realizes at the end of the track that or he's referencing that accident and then he realizes oh shit it's you and I, I know I didn't really need to go into the track like that because anyone who's listened to Stan understands the concept of the track. It's just, it's a really intense track. And anytime I listen to it or anytime it comes on, I pretty much just stop whatever I'm doing and I'm just like, damn, I just gotta, gotta take this in and really digest it, even though it's, I've heard it thousands of times at this point. Uh, yeah, no, it's a it's a crazy track, and it actually it kind of reminds me of like how there's these like nice guys and girls online who like for example like say you're on Tinder or something and you're messaging someone and then for whatever reason you don't message them back for a little bit or you like leave them on red like sometimes it just happens sometimes but then. They res- like they, they're like, oh hey, what's going on? Hey, I haven't heard from you. I right, bitch, what the fuck is wrong with you? I thought you were better than this. You know, they, <laughs> they, it's they just like, go to extremes. Like I feel like that's kind of a different version of Stan, even though they're not as obsessive. That's just me though. Going through the rest of the tracks. Um, not going to any of the skits yet. The skits are great. And actually, while I'm talking about skits, I'll just talk about them. The first skit, Paul, that's just... It's funny, because Paul is M's manager. And he's gotten a copy of the album. And he's just like, oh, we can't do anything with this album. <laughs> just... Oh my god. <laughs> and then later on he talks to Steve Berman and basically the same thing. Like they like he tried to go to different record like uh stores and sell the album to them and they're just like no. And one of them I forgot which one it was, but like one of them told him to shove the CD up his ass. <laughs> and he's just like appalled, like do you know how it feels to have someone tell you that? It's just funny. 
Um, but going back to the tracks themselves, or the actual song tracks, um, he continues to address his fans and whatever criticisms that he has um, against him on the track, Who Knew? The chorus itself goes, Because I never knew I knew I would get this big. I never knew I knew I'd affect this kid. I never knew I'd get him to slit his wrist. I never knew I'd get him to hit this bitch. And he's acknowledging here that he didn't know that like younger people would really flock to him like that. He didn't know that he was going to be getting all their attention like this. So, I mean, they these kids may be influenced by him. Um, but he also kind of mentions that like he he there um he said something about like oh this kid like learned the f word from me but i mean he hears it from his bus driver every day that kind of goes back to a little statement about uh little johnny like oh my little johnny didn't know any of these curse words before eminem how could he eminem's the worst no idiot you're the one cursing at him because you want him to be quiet. <laughs> or his bus driver is just angry. Like, you don't... <laughs> there are other people to blame. And it's it's funny because, like, I feel like he, he kind of does bring it up that parents themselves are also part of this problem. Like, they... They don't, under, they don't always understand that the way they treat their kids can affect them. Like, little Johnny's over there just talking his mouth off, but you're telling him to shut the fuck up because he's annoying you. Maybe you should actually listen to what he says. Maybe he has something that he wants to talk about. Just saying. It's really just funny because people don't want to accept blames. Like, Eminem accepts it here. Like, he... It's like, yeah, no, sure, that might be my fault, but there's other factors to take into consideration here. And then on the track, The Way I Am, he just sounds so done with everything. Like, done with everyone's criticisms, done with everyone blaming him for stuff. Like, he's just here, like... I'm just so annoyed. Leave me alone. Stop blaming me for everything. And I think this track actually had dropped or been written <clears throat> before this, right around the Slim Shady LP. So, like, way before Marshmallow's LP even was a thing. And it's just interesting because he's always been facing some sort of criticism. And he's just so mad. <laughs> like, this is probably the more introspective track on this album because he really goes into, like, why? <laughs> why are you so mad at me? Um, but, no, that's it's just a really good track overall. Um, then he goes on, like, the last track that he really acknowledges other people, I guess you could say, is the track, The Real Slim Shady. The real Slim Shady, will the real Slim Shady please stand up? And it's interesting because, like I mentioned, he, 
he, Eminem has a lot of people that he influenced. And on this track itself, it's like, I didn't, well, I personally didn't really know that he has that many copycats this early on. Like, sure, I mean, he dropped his, um, I forgot the name of the album that he dropped before this on JLP now. It'll come to me at some point. But, I mean, yeah, he's been around for a little bit. So, I guess it makes sense. Like, there's definitely an, an amount of people. Um, I think he also, <laughs> I don't know if it was this track or one of the other tracks, but he kind of calls out ICP. And it's just funny because ICP is also, or is very horrorcore. And Eminem's early albums are very horrorcore as well. Um, although ICP, I think, started way before, or not way before, but like a little bit before Eminem, he, <laughs> he still just has some sort of beef with them. And there's a whole skit that I'm not even going to talk about because it's extremely inappropriate, but it's there. But yeah, it was just really interesting to see, like, all these other Slim Shades are just imitating. I don't know how he feels about that now, considering there's people out there who are actively like, yeah, no, Eminem's a big, big influence on my music. <laughs> it probably doesn't affect him as much nowadays, I'd say. Um, and then the next track I wanted to talk about was Remember Me. And I feel like this track never gets talked about. And I feel like I'm the only one who ever references it. Because... I'll just randomly yell, remember me, and no one's just, no one gets it. I'm sorry, the mic moved again. But yeah, no, I feel like I'm just the only one yelling, remember me, and everyone else is just like, yeah, I do. I mean, you're right here. I've known you for years. Chill. It's just a really solid track. Um, it's also really funny, because on... Eminem's verse, because this is a track with Sticky Fingers and uh, and Rex, or RBX, sorry. Uh, there's someone, a line that says, um, someone's just upset that he says fucking, like, can you just not say fucking for six whole minutes? Then he proceeds to do so. <laughs> so he doesn't say like, he says fucking all that stuff, but he doesn't say fucking until, like, the last, or, like, the beginning of the Marshall Mathers track, which is, like, a whole track and a half later. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. And just a random Easter egg. And speaking of the Marshall Mathers track, it's, again, one or aside from the way I am, one of the more introspective tracks on the album. And he really just kind of goes off. Um, it's funny because the chorus is so calm. And then he just goes into the verses rapping. And it's just so aggressive. So it's it's just funny to look at. Because like when you first hear it, you're like, Oh, maybe Eminem's just making this pop song and he's trying to be all nice and quiet. No, no. He's doing that to mess with y'all. 
Um, I think he said that he did that on purpose too, actually. Um, yeah, it's funny because it's just, this track is really just him talking and talking. Uh, we're almost, I'm almost all the way through it. Uh, drug ballad. I mean, a lot of people like it. I'm not big on it. It's whatever to me. Um, Amityville. I mean, he's mentally ill from Amityville. It's just a really solid track. I think Bazaar's on this. And someone else is going to be featured, but Dre was like, nah, you have too many features now, so please chill. Um, there's not really much going on in the track. Like, it's just him basically showing off his technical skills. There's like, there's just so many tongue twisters towards the second half of the, or his second verse. It's just fun to listen to. And then, then Bitch Please 2. It's a classic. It's a follow-up to the original. Uh, you got Nate Dogg on the hook. Dr. Dre starts off the track with a verse that's most likely written by Eminem. Uh, and then Snoop just, you know, he does his thing. He flows. <laughs> it's, he just flows all over it. And Eminem, or Exhibit, you know, he, he did his thing. And then, and this this is like a five-minute track. And all these verses ended by minute two. So the rest of the track is basically just Eminem rapping. And oh boy, did he rap. <laughs> he made sure that no one would show him up and basically just rapped for two minutes straight. It was great. Um, the next big track to really talk about is Kim. Because as many people know, he hates Kim. His wife, or ex-wife. And he's, you know, mentioned on multiple occasions how he hates her and will kill her. And this track, this is the one. <laughs> this is the one where he just goes f way out, just gone. <laughs> I'm not going to really go into this track because it's, there's a lot. There's a lot. Um, just listen to it to yourself. It's it's a good track, <laughs> no matter how violent it is. Um, the other two tracks on the album Under the Influence is a great D12 track. And then Criminal, which, if I remember correctly, this is the one where... Yep, there's a skit, and... Yeah, it's just funny. It's just a funny skit. Now that I've gone through pretty much the entire album... How do you think it would do today? <laughs> well, it would never be released today. Like even Eminem's current projects that push the boundaries for what people put out now, like even that's a bit much. So there's no way that this album would be released today it, and at least get to or get as much attention as it did and be as popular as it was. Like, it's just far too abrasive and full of hate and violence for anyone, I feel, to be okay with it. Um, I think Eminem acknowledges too, and that's kind of why his music shifted a little bit, to be a little bit more PC and calm, let's say. 
but I, I really don't blame him. I mean, if he's trying to sell music, sell records, there's this is it's hard. And I think the last time we really heard him be this aggressive was on probably recovery. I don't think he really went into this on um, Kamikaze or Music to Be Murdered by. Um, and there's a few reasons that he would probably be like this now. Uh, one is that he's probably just older and doesn't want to, he's just not angry as much. Because he was very angry for a long time. And then the other one is like, oh yeah, he probably just doesn't want to deal with all the backlash from people responding to it now. Because, like I mentioned, it's so different from what you would expect today. And for a major artist to be making music like that, like no one would be okay with it. Everyone would be like, oh my god, you can't say that! No! <laughs> Well, that's about all the time I got today, though. Let me know what you thought about the Marshall Mathers LP 20 years later. And do you think... I mean, I think it holds up great. Dr. Dre and Eminem did a fantastic job on the production here. Making it sound like it could have been dropped last week. But the content, obviously. You know. But let me know. What do you think? Uh, please remember to like, comment, and subscribe. And let me know your feelings on this album. And check out the other podcasts I've done. Um, last week I did Run the Jewels and then I talked about Crit Was Here. I promise I'm not going to keep doing history lessons or just talk about stuff that happened years ago. I'm, next week I'm probably going to do the top albums of May, something like that. We'll see. All right, bye.